Everybody, welcome back to Letterman Row for the Buyers Auto Practice Report. The Buckeyes back on the field uh, to get ready for Mighty Rutgers on Saturday in prime time at 7.30. And it's been interesting to talk to the Buckeyes. They had another availability with five or six players talking to us uh, Wednesday afternoon. There's not a lot of conversation about Rutgers' berm uh, and Tim May for this Buyers Auto Practice Report. It's almost like the biggest competition this week is complacency, not the actual opponent on the field. Yeah, and Pete Werner wanted to make sure that everyone knew Rutgers could give them a, a, a tussle, which was unexpected. Um, you know, but it's good that they're thinking that way. You don't want to ever go into a Big Ten game thinking you can't lose. Um, even if you can't lose, you you just need to go out and, and play that first half or first, you know, three quarters, however much they have to play against Rutgers with their, their first teamers and, and go – 100 miles an hour. So I think it's good that they're taking that coach speak literally. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because uh, there's, def- there's a def- different, different, definite different vibe. That's hard to say. Uh, a definite different vibe about Rutgers, though, compared to this time a year ago, in my opinion, because they won their opener and they uh, were in last week's game with Indiana, no doubt about it. And, yeah, I know you can say Michigan State and Indiana. Well, you know, look at Indiana so far. But, um, but my point is with Greg Schiano. You know, they have gotten back to, it looks like, some details, some uh, basics, which were missing off and on throughout the previous regimes until he got back to, uh, to probably where he belonged all, all along and uh, as head coach of Rutgers. You know, and, and bottom line is he jumped right into a conference play. I think they played pretty well for Rutgers. And, you know, without their record is, is what it is, one and one, but that doesn't include like a win over Howard or something. It includes a Big Ten win. So, you know, I think there's – reasonable for Ohio State to take them serious but uh, but there's a different tone about this Ohio State team in my opinion I think coming off that Penn State win they have much more of an idea of how good they are and how good they can be don't you agree uh awesome yeah I think that that's uh, that was the vibe that I got I mean Pete Warner was the only one who really talked about Rutgers personnel uh, specifically um, and also you know from the media side there wasn't a great incentive to talk about Rutgers because on paper, there's just no chance of an upset happening. We know that college football is crazy, but for a 37 and a half point uh, favorite three-time defending Big Ten champions at home, it's hard to really consider any other alternative here. There's not a lot of time to waste on that. And I think that you can take that along with Ryan Day's message on Tuesday about them trying to eat better, sleep better, practice better. You know, none of it was about Saturday night and you know I, I think that that's you know, that's meaningful to me because he's not trying to Lou Holtz this situation and pretend like every opponent they play is is Notre Dame or you know the 85 Bears or the greatest opponent of all time you can be honest with them like you're you should win this game and you get off the field but here are the other things you can still do better and I think that's really going to be the challenge here for the entire month of November is take some sort of to-do list Say, all right, well, well, what does Ohio State need to correct? Who needs reps? Who needs experience so that they're ready for either those last two games in December or the college football playoff? Yeah, that's what we talked about all day yesterday. I mean, it was in the practice report yesterday was how November sets up for Ohio State to to fix things that they need to fix. And every week is going to be a different barometer of of what, you know, where you're feeling like we can pull the string a little bit or or get tighter here or – you know, loosen up here, but um, it starts with just understanding that you're playing in the Big Ten, and, and 
you never know. I mean, maybe you go out and turn the ball over seven times like Michigan State did, and all of a sudden you have a problem. So, I mean, you can't get to the point where you don't take your opponent seriously, um, even if you can seriously accept that you should, you know. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I asked Tommy Togia, just kind of jumping ahead a little bit, I asked Tommy Togia, you know, I, I wrote that, wrote us a story, lettermanrow.com, about the question marks on the middle middle part of the defense, you know, the defensive tackle spots and uh, going into the year. And, uh, you know, they're coming out of that Penn State game. Tommy Togia, three sacks, are you kidding, from a, from a nose tackle? <laughs> and uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a career in, in one game. But, uh, <laughs> but bottom line is those guys, I mean, they're coming out thinking they're deeper, you know, the, maybe from a competence and a confidence standpoint than they were beginning of the year, even though, like he said, they were confident from the start. But when you've got Teron Vincent coming online, you know, I mean, Berm has is, is, uh, documented, you know, Teron Vincent's kind of physical struggles over the last couple of years. But if he's coming online, there's a four or five star, depending on who you look at, who's uh, stepping up. And, you know, they have these other guys stepping up right now. And no doubt about it, Haskell Garrett. And there's just a, there's a different feel about those guys. I don't know if you guys agree. Than I had two two games ago, and not that I didn't think they had competent personnel, but they the other night against Penn State they excelled and they were as big a difference in that game as anything else. Obviously, I think that people. Sorry, go ahead, Boston. I, I was just going to say a big part of that is Haskell Garrett. We didn't yeah. know if he was even going to be playing in these first two weeks, and he has been uh, far and away playing at the highest level of his career. Uh, you know, we've we've gone over and over that being shot in the face and coming back and just playing. But let's just take all that out. Even if he'd been fully healthy, I wouldn't have projected him to play at the level that he's at right now. Yeah, you see yeah, me the Willies. Go ahead. For there. sure. That, that's, that's what I was going to say. I mean, we, we looked at the depth issues, and you didn't know about the health of Teron Vincent. You didn't know about the health of Haskell Garrett. And you realize that once those guys get back, things maybe could, could start to rectify. I don't think anyone like, – in their right mind expected that Haskell Garrett would be playing in week one uh, and then dominating like he has in the last two weeks. I mean, his first step uh, it does not look like what it did in the last couple of years. And so whatever he did in, in quarantine, um, other than recovering from a gunshot wound to the face, uh, <laughs> has, it clearly was uh, pretty effective for him. You know? Yeah, you know. I agree. I mean, even uh, Kirk Herbstreit mentioned that on the, we talked about him extensively on the, my podcast this week is like, he's not just out there playing, he's out there, you know, the get off is the big term, but I mean, he's, he's, he's got an attitude about him, a quickness with his hands, like Kirk pointed out, almost like a boxer, you know, punching before the counter punch comes. I mean, so to speak, of course you always, <laughs> that makes sense, but, but he's, he's taking it to the guard or whomever ends up over him and getting by him like, hey, you don't really exist in my world. I'm going to create uh, chaos and havoc. And I, I think that's just jumped out at people. And, you know, the other thing jumped out the other night, I don't mean to twist the conversation, but let's face it, uh, push comes to shove, uh, you're trying to get something done with your passing game. You're going to try to launch the ball to your best receiver. And uh, oftentimes that's going to be covered by the other team's best defender. and uh, yeah, Sean Wade, I think, is smarting a little bit coming out of that game. And we'll see where uh, having those experiences with Jahan, whether, you know, whether how that uh, pays off for him down the road. But, uh, you know, uh, Penn State fi finally just said, I don't care who's covering you. I'm throwing the ball to you. And it happened to be Sean Wade. So we'll see where he goes with that experience. Yeah, so I would not put uh, Sean Wade on the to-do list for November. I think we all know he's going to be fine. Berm and I yeah. – 
uh, with Spencer uh, on Tuesday, talked in, uh, in detail about the secondary. So beyond that, Burm, let's go with the bigger picture. Like Rutgers in Maryland, I'm not going to buy into any of this Indiana hype until they, you know, maybe validate it one more time this week. Um, but this schedule is light. You got Illinois at the end of it. You got four or five weeks to get better. What part of the game are you most interested in watching for Ohio State in November? I mean, I think I, I want to see how much playing time the backup quarterbacks get. Um, you know, that was mine. Uh, well, sorry. I mean, I think that's important for the future. Uh, I, I would love to see the Buckeyes kind of settle on a running back. I know that, uh, you know, we've talked about that ad nauseum. Um, and, and then I really am interested to see between Jackson Smith and Jigba, Julian Fleming, G. Scott, and those guys um, who steps up because I, I think that the the Buckeyes having Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson uh, as clearly the maybe the best tandem of receivers in the country at this point with Jalen Waddle being out of Alabama. Um, I think that you need to start really building that depth, knowing that you know, you're going to need to spread the field to, to beat some teams down the road. I don't think you're going to beat Alabama or Clemson playing a lot of 12 personnel. I just – I don't see that. I, I think that the way you attack them is to to, to go very multiple wide receiver. And, and like I said, I mean, those games are coming, pr- presuming that everything goes the way that we think. So I think it's just about building quality depth um, and especially getting some young guys some some experience. You know, I'm, I'm interested in seeing how this uh, defense is going to continue to evolve. And uh, I'm writing about that for us for later this week on, you know, there's, there's, I'm giving away a little bit of my lead here, but I mean, there, the defense the other night called by, by uh, Kerry Combs and he, you know, he gave credit to all the other defensive coaches. We know finally somebody's got to make a call, you know, but uh, it had a, it had an NFL flow to it from a, just the way they, from alignments to a scheme to matchups, you know, getting those matchups right, uh, which is what the NFL is all about. And I'm interested to see how that flows, especially, and uh, you'll you'll back me up on this, I'm sure, awesome, is that, uh, you know, Josh Proctor, you know, you like you pointed out, Josh Proctor probably had his best game the other night just from a usage standpoint and an effectiveness standpoint. And, and but they, they look at more and more like you're going to see more two safety maybe than one safety. Uh, but, we'll, you know, that's, that goes from game to game. But I'm interested just to see how that continues to evolve because you've got guys making plays, you know, and you want to get those guys on the field as often as possible. But two of them are Marcus, Hook, Marcus Hooker and, uh, and uh, Josh Proctor. So I'm interested to see where that goes. I think that that's, that's key for Ohio State is that they are not, as opposed to two years ago, since Rutgers is coming on Saturday, uh, yeah. well, Greg Schiano was unwilling to – you know, diversify his defensive scheme. They were going to play one thing. They were going to try and do it really well. Uh, and earlier in his Ohio State tenure, that worked when you had nothing but NFL players at every single position. Uh, Let me interrupt you. Chopping wood. I think that was the key phrase back then. Chopping wood. Go ahead well, now. Yeah. I'm sure, it's, I'm sure they're chopping a lot of it back there in Piscataway. But, you know, you, you could just you, – you have to adapt to your personnel. He seemed unwilling to do that which is what led to the worst statistical season in, in Ohio State history two years ago. And you look at what Kerry Combs is doing right now, they'll throw, you know, 15 different looks at you on 15 different snaps. They're willing to do that. They have yeah. the personnel to do that. Uh, and I'm not saying that two years ago Ohio State didn't because a lot of these players are still around. You can find a lot of different ways to use Pete Warner, uh, as the Buckeyes are still doing and, and did last year as well. So um, that part is, is fascinating. And if Josh Proctor – 
um, continues on that trend, then you might see more of that two, two safety look because that's the best use of it right now. And Cameron Brown's not part of the mix at cornerback anymore. So I think that that will uh, continue to adapt and evolve. And then back to what Berm threw out first for this November, Ryan Day, I think, has done a, a great job up till now of keeping the focus off of those freshmen, pull, pull the black stripes off at the same time. You know, week one, people were jumping in. Oh, Jack Miller went out first. Does that mean he's ahead? And my understanding was that there was a bit of a hamstring issue for C.J. Stroud. They didn't want to rush him out there and, and push it uh, for week one. That was just sort of the way that the situation uh, worked out for that given day. But when you go into this November, it's going to be a lot more clear. They're going to be in live reps. The whole world can watch it and evaluate it. And you're going to have to designate somebody to go out there first uh, in all likelihood in the third quarter against Rutgers. I think that that will likely be C.J. Stroud. But, you know, this this is key because in this situation, which we've talked about over and over, and it gets old, I know, but, you know, an injury or a false positive test for Justin Fields on the road, and you got to put somebody else in there. So you're not only playing for the future with these guys, but you need to get some experience uh, with C.J. Stroud or Jack Miller in case they need to be the backup right now. You're kind of playing my song there. I mean, I've been saying that all along. You know, you, you agree. I mean, that's – and uh, uh, talk to other people around. They just want to see uh, Justin Fields have this just ridiculous year. And I go, no matter what, this is not going to be more than a nine-game regular season, including, you know, that includes the championship game, the plus game, whatever you want to call it, you know, at the end of the regular season. You're not – you know, stat-wise, you know, he may average a lot of yards, et cetera, but, you know, you're right. I mean, you've got to be planning now for the possibility of not having him, just like Clemson didn't have Trevor Lawrence and won't have him this week. That's crazy, you think about it. Just like what happened at, uh, at Wisconsin from losing Jack Cohn in preseason camp to, to losing Graham Mertz, you know, and, uh, and then losing two games, at least two games out of their season. Yeah. You don't know what's coming around the corner next. I, I'm in total agreement with you. Berm just wants Justin Fields to still throw for 60 touchdowns in nine games. I do. Uh, I, uh, you know, I want to go back to the media availability today. I was a little disappointed we didn't get to hear from Zach Harrison like we thought we were going to. Um, yeah. I, I think that his role this year, a lot of people are wondering about why he's not, you know, on the field as much as maybe they thought he would be. And I, I asked a couple guys uh, on the team over the last few days, like, is there something going on? And to a man, the response was, Zach practices really hard. He does well in practice, but so does Tyler Friday. So does Javante Jean-Baptiste. So does Tyreek Smith. So does Jonathan Cooper. And I, I want people to hear their uh, thought, and that is 15 to 20 really good snaps a game is better than 40 okay snaps. And, uh, you know, that, that is what Ohio State was going to do coming into the season with this uh, rotation of defensive ends. And there's no reason to read too much into who's go, who goes out there first. Yeah, but he went out there first the other night, you know. And, I, you know, there was a two-point conversion play where uh, I forgot who got the who got the credit for the tackle. It might have been Marcus uh, Marcus Hooker, or it might have been Marcus Williamson. I get those two mixed, you know. But, but Zach was on the bottom of the pile who had grabbed, a, I think it was Clifford, on the run and uh, made, a, made a run, you know, made a play. I mean, I thought he was very effective the other night. That's another that's another category for him where I'm just like, hey, he's gonna be just fine. And we saw him blow yeah. up. He had one of those patented uh, Ohio State tackles against Penn State where you just get a running back and quarterback at the same time and throw him to the ground. Yeah, uh, memorable. Yeah, who did it better, Zach Harrison or Sam Hubbard? 
I don't know. Joey oh. Bosa did pretty good too. Remember on that walk off uh, shove of the uh, running back into the into what's his name? What was his name? Hackensack. What was the quarterback's name? Christian Hacken. Hack- yeah, Hackenberg. Uh, I know. I'll, I'll take Sam Hubbard's uh, iteration of it because that did, yeah. that was you know at a much more important part of the game and that drove that drive that Zach Harrison did that on Saturday still ended up in a 75 yard touchdown drive so yeah but Joey Bosa really was the walk off into the game I mean that but was, he didn't tackle both players he just no, he shoved, shoved one <laughs> he shoved one into the other and if the guy fell down it was a quarterback right. but <laughs> Sam Hubbard tackled two guys at the same time and yeah. so look at Zach the Harrison. Yeah, look at the uh, look at the final stats. It says uh, it says Joey Bosa got credit for a sack of uh, Hackenberg. But anyway, I'm I'm with you, Berm. I brought this on myself. Uh, yep. Definitely letting it you go. Knew it was going to happen. Yeah. Well, that's that's just the way it goes. Let it get off the rails, and then I can be like, oh, you know what? I got to stop now. We're out of time. Uh, the Byers Auto practice report is done. Jeremy Birmingham, Tim May joining me, Austin Ward. A lot more coverage coming to you all week long at LettermanRoad.com. As we get set for Ohio State and Rutgers on Saturday night, uh, we will see you back at Letterman Road tomorrow. Bye.